Welcome to Native Yoga Toddcast. So happy you are here. My goal with this channel is to bring inspirational speakers to the mic in the field of yoga, massage, body work, and beyond. Follow us at Native Yoga and check us out at nativeyogacenter.com. All right, let's begin. How are you? I just want to make you aware of a few things that we have going on here at Native Yoga Center. All of these links are in the description below to make it really easy for you to find them and click and join. We have a two weeks free live stream unlimited special where you can come and practice with us every day at home. Join us on computer. Two weeks free. No credit card required. Try it out. I'm also really excited that our teacher training is coming up in January of 2023. There's a link down below where you can click if you want any more info, and we will send you some more info for that. Also, I have on our live stream class schedule, Gentle, Ashtanga Yoga, Yin Yoga, and you'll see a link that says for class schedule, which will show you all of that. Also, we have the Conscious Aging Workshop coming up with Kelly Haas in October, and I have a link there for you if you want to check that out. All of these are available via live stream. So no matter where you're listening, you can join us. And lastly, on our online classes platform, I record our live stream classes every day. I upload them and they are available on nativeyogaonline.com. And you can try it out for a month for free with the code, all caps, no space, first month free. That about covers it. (laughs) Thank you for listening. Let's go for it. I'm so excited to have Carly Smith here with me in studio today. And Carly is a nutritional therapist, a certified GAPS practitioner, and a registered yoga teacher. And she will explain what the GAPS practitioner is here in a moment. But Carly, thank you so much yes. for coming in. Thank you so much for having me. Well, it's a pleasure. I've gotten a chance to meet you from taking classes here. Yes. And then I learned that what your career is, and you have a website called Fairy Gut fairygutmother.com. <laughs> Correct, yes. And also we can find you at the same handle on Instagram and I'm guessing the other social media channels under the same name, Fairy Gut Mother. Correct, cool. yes. Cool. So on that note, can you tell me what your specialty is, what, what you focus on in helping people? Sure. So I work with people to help them restore their health through uh, the gut, and that's diet and lifestyle changes. I truly believe gut health is the foundation for our health. It's where nearly the entire immune system is located. So um, basically helping people to optimize the health of the microbiome, putting you know bringing in different foods that help do that, and then supplements as well. Nice. And you're also a registered yoga teacher. So yes. are you currently teaching classes? I'm not currently teaching, but I do weave yoga into my protocols with my clients. Uh, I think it goes, you know, it blends very nicely in with gut health because it's kind of that lifestyle aspect. I tell people gut health is not just a diet, it's a lifestyle. Mm. Stress is just as damaging on the gut as junk food, and that's clinical research actually says that. So I love the way that yoga brings in that way to mitigate our stress levels, but also kind of gives the gut a little internal massage. Um, helping to kind of increase that motility and just overall uh, health of the gut. 
Nice. Have you always been air quote health nut (laughs) or did you have something happen to you in life that kind of pushed you in the direction of paying extra attention to your health? Yes. So I've always been interested in health and nutrition and I always thought I was healthy, but I ended up getting Lyme disease in 2014. Well, I back up. I was probably sick for a year or two before that finally found out and diagnosed in 2014. Um, but the, you know, my whole experience with Lyme completely shifted the way that I view health and wellness. And like I said, I thought I was healthy, but after learning about gut health, where nearly your entire immune system is located and, uh, you know, implementing a gut healing protocol, call, completely reversing my symptoms from Lyme based on just focusing on gut health, completely changed my perspective on health and wellness and what's important and and what actually is healthy as it relates to the gut. Wow. When you were diagnosed with Lyme's disease, what was the treatment that was prescribed to you via the Western uh, field? So at that time, uh, it was mainly just antibiotics. So you go on a heavy dose of antibiotics for a prolonged period of time. And that's basically the route I took. At that time, I really wasn't aware of any alternative therapies that are out there. So now I'm I'm so much more aware of different modalities and and treatments that are available for Lyme. Uh, But at that time, it was just straight antibiotics. And then that felt like it was doing more harm on my body than good Mm -hmm. um, because you're obviously you're killing the good and the bad bacteria with that. So I went off of all that medicine and that's when I started doing research and learning about gut health. Nice. What did you start implementing? What were some of the first things that you began to implement implement in your research and study? So the first thing I did was the GAPS diet, which stands for gut and psychology syndrome. And so that's really all about healing the gut. It's an elimination and a reintroduction diet. So you're eating a lot of uh, nourishing foods that help to heal the gut lining and then obviously eventually repopulate the gut with beneficial bacteria. So you're cutting out a lot of um, obviously any processed foods and, and sugar, things like that. But you're really just focusing on bone broth, which was a huge part of uh, my healing journey, uh, animal meats and proteins and uh, cooked vegetables, um, foods that are going to be very easy to digest. And then as time goes on, you can slowly start incorporating more foods and more raw foods. What were the main symptoms that you felt when you, well, it sounds like you had Lyme's disease for over a year before diagnosis. What yes. were the symptoms you were feeling? When, when that was happening before you even knew what was going on. Yeah, I mean, it, it honestly felt like my body was abducted by an alien. Like I, I had absolutely no control over my emotions. I forgot where I lived driving home from work. Um, and that's really when I, after that, I kind of wow. just was confined to my apartment. I couldn't really leave. I was scared. Wow. Um, like a brain fog thing? Yes, or? just like completely disoriented, had no clue, recollection of where I lived, like where to turn, where I was. Um, it was a whole, my, my neurological, you know, just cognitive function was just completely wow. um, affected. Yeah. Is that a common symptom that most people that have Lyme's disease experience? Yes, a wow. lot of brain fog, mental illness, you know, right. mental illness and, and cognitive function. That's a, a very big part of Lyme disease. And that's, I think, one of the hardest things about Lyme. It's so difficult to diagnose and why it's so misdiagnosed is because there's so many 
symptoms of Lyme. Um, I, in connection with that, I was also had a lot of issues with my hormones. So I was menstrual bleeding for about four months straight and no one could figure out what was going on. The doctor just eventually told me to go lay at home in bed with my feet up. Um, and that's not a very common symptom. So I think it's hard to uh, for people to get diagnosed because there's so many different things that people experience. I never noticed a tick bite um, or anything like that. The thought is that perhaps I had that several years ago and then a long period of stress weakened my immune system mm, and that's yeah. when the disease flourished. When you started taking the antibiotics, did you feel a little better? Did that work just on some level? It might have a little bit um, initially, but I really was so sick that I couldn't tell. And then there were so many other issues that kept popping up mm. from the uh, some side effects of the antibiotics that it, it felt like they were doing more harm than good. So it yep. was hard to yep. kind of pinpoint. And, and truly, that dietary change of shifting more towards a gut healing protocol was where I felt the biggest shift in my health. My memory was one of the first things to come back. I started to think more clearly. I felt like I had a better control over my emotions. Um, I was able to recall more information and um, just just felt, you know, better overall, yeah, better. Yeah. Um, and I, I just, I, I'm trying to replay what you said. Um, so you started like with bone broth and what eliminate almost everything and start off with bone broth as the basis for yes. the diet. And then you said slowly implementing easily digestible foods like animal protein and what greens as well and uh, uh, vegetables, fruits or no, are you trying no to eliminate fruit. car sugar from the carbs and that type of thing? Yeah. So it's basically on the veggie side, it was a lot of winter squashes and everything is cooked. Uh, no, nothing raw. It's a little bit harder to digest those foods. And uh, the cooked meats and vegetables—that uh, was a big thing. The animal proteins too, like what you're what you're looking to do with the proteins and the uh, bone broth is really extract all those nutrients that help to support and heal the gut lining. So, uh, with those animal fats and proteins are one of the most important things that you can do to help with that. So being a yogi and in yoga culture, where pressed in the direction of ahimsa, nonviolence, and vegetarian diet. And what are your thoughts regarding implementing animal proteins uh, in relation to that theory and approach? Yes. So you can absolutely still focus on gut health with a more vegetarian approach. And I, I have a recipe for a vegetarian uh, broth on my website. And basically what you're thinking, what you want to think about is pulling those nutrients from those vegetables that are helpful in healing the gut lining. And one of those is L-glutamine. Uh, you can even just buy L-glutamine in a powder form. And that's very helpful in maintaining the integrity of the gut lining. So you can make a broth with lots of those vegetables like carrots um, and Beets very high in L-glutamine, thinking again about extracting those nutrients. Uh, one of the biggest proponents for gut health or, or components of gut health is fiber. So fiber feeds the good bacteria in the gut. So once the gut is healed and a way to maintain that optimal gut health is just by, you know, adding in more fiber into your diet. In fact, the entire plate really should be plant 
based, um, lots of fiber. And then you can fill in, you know, the remaining parts of that. But <clears throat> as far as the animal based, I mean, for me, that really helped. Uh, those animal fats and proteins were one of the biggest things, I think, that helped my cognitive function and repair the gut lining. But if that's not something that fits in, um, and I will note that it's important to make sure that you're you're sourcing those sustainably, that they're pasture-raised, grass-fed, working with a local farmer and rancher is super important on that. Um, but if that's something that works for you, that doesn't mean that you still can't heal the gut. There are other ways to get those nutrients. Nice. And timeline-wise, time at this point, when you start experimenting with this um, cleansing diet, how long would you say it took before you felt like you weren't scared to go out of the house and you could drive and you knew how to get home again and like, you know, <laughs> resume normal activity. Was it like a one month or a year? How long did that take? Yeah, it was about a year of the diet. Um, but that didn't mean that I didn't feel better within that year. I mean, I felt better within the first week or two on the elimination diet. I noticed improvements in my health, mm -hmm. yep. um, but it really took an entire year of the dedication to that, um, to start really feeling like I was getting my health back. Um, and then, you know, it's always kind of like peeling back the layer. I did the diet, but then it was, you know, learning about other things that help, you know, with obviously yoga, integrating that into it. Um, acupuncture was a really big thing for me, uh, infrared sauna. So it was just learning more and peeling back the layers of other ways to help heal that also made a huge impact. Nice. And at what point did you decide, decide to study to become a nutritionist or nutritional therapist? Yes. Is there a difference between yes. a certified nutritionist and a nutritional therapist? And can you clarify what that terminology, how it differs? You bet. So it was a certification that I received. It was a nine month program through the Nutritional Therapy Association. Um, so it was, uh, that was the program. So it's it's a certification versus necessarily like a degree. Yep. Um, but it was, it was immediately that once I started noticing improvements in my health, I knew that this information had to get out to more people. Yeah. I was working in finance at the time, so totally unrelated. And um, But I just knew I wouldn't feel right with myself if I didn't do something about this and spread this information. Nice. Um, because so much relates back to the gut. I mean, Lyme was my experience, but it doesn't matter whatever you have going on. Um, I read some research that even said nearly 70 to 80% of diseases can now be traced back to the gut. So it really is that foundation piece. It doesn't matter whatever it is, if you're just looking to maintain optimal health or um, try to heal from anything that you have going on, it, the gut is the place to start. Nice. When did you decide to professionalize <laughs> your uh, spreading of this information in terms of start the Fairy Gut Mother website and or was there a leap of faith in the process of you going from working in, say, corporate finance into being your having your own business and yes. and teaching in these sort of ideas and topics? Yes, I mean, I, I definitely did just have to take a leap of faith and trust that you know if I'm following my heart that everything will kind of work itself out. Um, I this was my passion. I loved doing this, and I just knew that. 
this was what I wanted to do. So I just kind of had to trust and close my eyes and jump and go for it um, and just, you know, pray that things worked out and it has. So I've been very fortunate nice. on that. But I think if you're following your heart and your passion, other things just, you know, will work themselves out. Yeah. What's one of the biggest hurdles you've had to jump in that process of going from a career where you knew where your paycheck was coming to being your own boss? What, what is something that you found has like been a big challenge for you? Yeah, I think just the uncertainty that, you know, you, you're not just going to collect the paycheck, um, that you always have to have that forward thinking of, you know, what's what's next, what happens um, if, you know, 2020 was a big thing that a lot of, you know, brands stopped doing a lot of uh, collaborations and people kind of just shut down for a minute. And so that was hard. So you, something you were, you know, your, your brain's always kind of thinking about the next thing. Um, and, um, just in case, you know, things don't work out. Um, but I think that again, that's where it comes back to just knowing that you have a strong message that you're helping people, you're coming from a really good place in your heart, um, and then just trusting that that will take care. Nice, that's cool. <clears throat> How have you woven your studies with yoga and or yoga practice in with your existing practice? Actually, let me back up. When you, how do people interact with you? Like if someone uh, needs, uh, do you coach them? Are you doing that via in-person? Uh, meetings and or via uh, Zoom or online? What is your, what are the methods that you use to interact with people? Yep. So it's all online and I have my services available on my website. Generally, I will put together protocols for people for about three months or so. Um, and that includes diet and supplement changes. Um, and I just go through them with the process. I've never recommended the same protocol twice. Although I might have some similar supplements that I recommend for people, how we go about integrating that, what's right for you and your body is completely different. And I tell people that too, the gut is unique. It's like a thumbprint. So it's completely unique to you. So your body might react differently to some of the dietary changes or supplement changes. Um, so it's, it's different for everyone. Yeah. Um, but generally it's about three months of working together and then I'll work with you along that you know process to see how the integration is going um you know if you have questions if you need help on recipes or you know anything that the individual might need that i can be helpful with along the way nice what are some other things that you've had people come to you with that you've uh, been able to offer these plans to and that they've had benefit from following this sort of gut cleansing protocol a lot of autoimmune issues, uh, hormone issues are really big for a lot of women, PCOS um, uh, and skin issues, uh, eczema, uh, that's a, a really big one. And skin is definitely a giant red flag for gut issues, which most people don't know that. And that's even another thing about the gut is that it doesn't have to have dysfunction of the gut to indicate that you have gut issues. Um, and that's one of the things that people will come to me and say, like, my gut feels fine, you know, and they're just thinking about how they digest their foods or maybe how frequently they uh, go to the bathroom. Those are kind of like just start things like, if my gut doesn't hurt, then it's not a gut issue. But skin issues are definitely um, 
I work with a lot of people on that that's underlying with gut problems. Weight loss, um, that's also related back to the gut. A certain species of bacteria are linked to weight gain and inflammation. So if we can help to optimize the microbiome, then generally that helps with uh, weight gain and weight loss. In relation to inflammation, what are your thoughts about um, ingesting like bread and pasta and carbs and refined carbs in relation to inflammation? What do you what have you noticed and or what does the research point out and what do you recommend? That's a great question. Um, So I'm actually a fan of grains and dairy um, and I um, but I think it's important to to dive into that and talk about the kinds, the types, and as far as if you have any underlying health conditions. Um, because our bodies are designed to, I mean, grains are a great source of fiber for the gut. Plus, they're full of lots of minerals and nutrients and proteins that our body needs. The problem isn't necessarily in the grain, it's how we are consuming the grain. So most of our grains here in the U.S. are uh, full of toxins and chemicals, and that's what really is damaging on the gut. Um, So it's not necessarily the grain, it's how we've been consuming them. Now, if you have an underlying health condition or a compromised gut, consuming foods like grains and dairy uh, can be very difficult to digest. So it can be one of those things where you eliminate those foods and then work on a gut healing protocol, and then you eventually start reintroducing some of those foods, but in their properly prepared forms. So, you know, maybe you buy sourdough bread from a local bakery that's um, naturally leavened sourdough is, is fermented. So that's also great for the gut health, a little bit easier easier to digest, better quality grains versus something like a Wonder Bread or a processed bread that you might find on the shelf. Um, And then moderation is key. You know, just you wouldn't go overboard on that, um, but in little bits and amounts that you can tend to tolerate a little bit better. And this is why a lot of people have trouble digesting grains and then they go, you know, to Italy and they ate all the pasta and the bread and they don't have any issues. So we just don't have as high of quality um, standards that we use for some of those foods. So it's not always those foods. I tell people it could just be your body's inability to digest it. So work on healing the gut and then making sure you're incorporating those grains in a proper uh, proper form. Nice. <clears throat> Do you find sometimes when we talk about diet that it's like we almost have to tiptoe a little bit? Like, do you ever feel like sometimes uh, from like the perspective of uh, teaching yoga and being in a yoga studio, people often, you know, ask, well, what do you eat? And, or ask, you know, yeah. what, what should I eat? And, or, um, <clears throat> and there's preconceived notions about what healthy is and what healthy isn't. Right. And it sounds to me, I like your approach. I like that you're saying that, you know, obviously it's going to be different for every single person Mm -hmm. that there's not like one, one set thing to follow, like completely eliminate grains, completely eliminate milk or completely, but that maybe you need to completely eliminate it, but there's a chance that if your body restores its health and or ability to digest Mm -hmm. that, then 
you could reassimilate these things back in and it won't be such a big deal. Yes. So on that note, how do you find, and I thought it was interesting when you said gaps, you said gastro and, what, what it's was It's a it? gut and psychology syndrome. Gut and psychology. Mm-hmm. So the psychology part, how do you implement, and I know we're not both not, we're not licensed psychologists and or yeah. doctors in psychiatry or anything, but how do you implement, um, encourage, Get, helping to get people to feel like it's okay to shift and change their dietary choices and that they're not bad because of it. Or does yes, that make sense? Absolutely. That's such a great point. Um, I think it's, it was John Mayer that made a joke that you could rob a bank in LA with a bagel. And it's like people were so afraid of grains and all of these foods. Um, and that just made me laugh because it's so true. Like you don't want to put yourself in a bubble um, and be afraid of all of these things. Um, then, you know, there's a few things. One, The cool thing about the gut is that it's super resilient. So the microbiome can change within 24 hours. So you can have that moderation in your diet. As long as a majority time that you're eating a little bit healthier, you can have that flexibility in your diet. You can celebrate the birthday, go on vacation, have that moderation. It's when it's chronic. It's when you are hitting up McDonald's every single day um, that there's an overgrowth of pathogens. That's when it becomes problematic because the pathogens will team up together. They create a biofilm, which basically protects them. um, And then they start taking over the body. So that's when it becomes problematic. When you have the moderation and majority of time you're eating healthier, that's all you have to worry about. So that should allow people a little bit of relief that, you know, you're not going to throw off everything if you have a little moderation in the diet. Um, and, you know, if if you are sensitive to some of those foods, and that's another thing that there's a difference between food allergies and food sensitivities. So, you know, if you have an EpiPen um, for peanuts, well, then you have a food allergy. But, you know, if you eat something and your stomach is bloated, that's more of a food, food uh, intolerance, and that can generally stem from a dysfunctional gut. So again, it goes back to really working on healing the gut and then going on how it works best for you and your body. Like you said earlier, it's unique. The gut is unique. It's completely up to you on what works best with you. Maybe you did heal your gut and you still have issues digesting dairy. You know, that's what works for you. Then you do what works best for you. The one thing I do mention to a lot of my clients is just to be mindful about when you are consuming more of those alternative food items, replacement dairy, replacement meats, um, gluten-free, that you have to check the labels. Uh, Just because it says something on it doesn't, you know, that it says dairy-free or or gluten-free does not automatically make it healthy. And that's something called the health halo effect. So it kind of has this halo over it, meaning even if it says organic on it, it doesn't necessarily mean. So really get in the habit of looking at the food labels. Um, You know, if, if there's a laundry list of ingredients in there that you aren't really sure where this food is coming from, chances are it's probably not the healthiest item. So it's okay if you, you know, have little bits, you know, an alternative dairy here and there. Um, but as long as it's not alternative dairy here, um, you know, gluten-free this, uh, replacement meat this, and and you're basically at the end of the day just eating all processed foods. Mm. So it's something to be mindful about. That's really interesting. I remember when I was... 17, I read Diet for a New America, 
which I think was by one of the Robins. Am I right? Does that even ring a bell? Did you ever read that? I know, but do, I do know, you know what the about? book it is. Yes. And so I was, you know, definitely in that phase of my life where I wanted to save the world. Mm-hmm. And um, this book, you know, pointed out how bad the meat and dairy industry was in terms of how they treated animals and gave a whole bunch of facts about that. So at that point I was like, I'm going to be vegan. Like it was Mm. just, you know, just made up my mind. So that pretty much equaled me eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches every day. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't really like seeking out like healthy, but interestingly enough, I'm finding what I'm thinking, what I'm really finding fascinating, what you're saying is that that then caused me at the time, and this is like in 1991. So like health food stores were interesting. They were like, well, they had a lot of supplements. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at that point, it's like the the industry around like faux cheese and or vegan cheese right. and or vegan butters and all that stuff. So I was thinking, you know, I just thought, wow, this is so great. I'm just going to, that's all I'm going to eat is that mm-hmm. stuff. And <clears throat> I kind of got sick a bunch, you yeah. know, I kind of wasn't, I was always like, <laughs> I just didn't, I didn't thrive off that. Mm-hmm. My, now I don't think I did it well, so I, I can't blame. Right. The veg- I think the vegan diet's amazing if it's right. done well and Absolutely. people really take the time to yes. get the nutrients and do the really healthy food items to make that work. But I find that fascinating what you're saying, like the, the health halo. That's really interesting because it's true. Like I'll see something that just, I mean, it just say gluten-free, but it's like uh, I'm buying a bottle of water. It says gluten-free <laughs> on it. It's like it right. wouldn't even have gluten in it to begin with. Yes. So like, you know, but these this idea that, oh, because now I'm associating everything gluten-free as that's the healthy option. Option, yeah. that I just, maybe I'd buy that then. So that's yeah. a fascinating element right now in our food culture. What else do you see in that arena happening? I am curious to know what your thoughts are. You use the, you use the word, which I haven't heard yet, replacement meats. Cause like, so it could be, do I have to be careful about saying product names? I mean, no, I, I mean are we allowed to say can we, I mean, like no one's going to chase after us if we use their product names, right? Like, well, <laughs> no, I, I think to your point of the beyond meat, um, it's really the only one that I'm aware of. That's the big name brand for alternative yeah. meats and everything. Yeah. Um, and again, it's just one of those things that you have to just be mindful of that. And I'm, I'm, I'm not saying to not do that. It's yeah, just yeah. be mindful of the amount that you are consuming, Got it. Um, especially with a lot of these things, you know, even though it might say natural flavors on the label, there can be some 300 ingredients listed under just natural flavors. Mm. So that's something to, to just kind of be mindful um, when you're shopping, when you're eating these foods. Uh, it's not to say that you can't be healthy in, in incorporating them. It's just the amounts that you're consuming. What are your thoughts on using supplements versus supplements from Whole Foods? Mm -hmm. That's a great question, too. Uh, So our foods are so nutritionally depleted, unfortunately. Um, That's why it's so important to be shopping directly from your farmer uh, and local local produce. It's going to be the most nutrient-dense. It's also going to have some of that soil on it and that's where you get a lot of your microbiome from is from the soil so uh that's going to be one of your biggest you you know your your best bets for most nutrient dense foods um but because of farming techniques over farming um and just you know the chemicals and pesticides that we're using it's just really robbed most of our foods of their nutrients so it's really important to um 
you know, be making sure you're sourcing from a good quality, but sometimes adding in those supplements helps a lot, um, especially like a probiotic. Um, if you're not getting enough fermented foods in your diet or fiber in your diet to help populate the gut with good bacteria um, and, you know, other nutrients that our foods might be lacking, it's always good to supplement. But that's, you know, another thing, though, you can't just um, rely on the supplements either. So again, you can't just be hitting up McDonald's drive through but taking a probiotic every day and thinking you're offsetting the damage because it doesn't work like that. So it kind of goes both ways. It's it's good to have supplements, but that's what they are, supplement. They're, you know, they're supplemental. They're meant to just kind of yeah. help. Um, it's not going to do, or it's not going to replace still eating good quality foods and shopping from your farmer. This is a tough question <laughs> and I'm not trying to, <laughs> I'm ready for it. All right. So a friend of mine who doesn't live around here. And so where around here, there's a ton of options. There's a ton of different grocery stores where there are more options uh, for what seems like healthy food choices than we know to do with. Um, but where this particular person lives, he med made mention that there's just fast food. Mm -hmm. And because of the way the economics work, you know, where there's more wealth, there's going to be these more expensive food options and, mm -hmm. and communities perhaps where that same level of wealth isn't the same, that there's options aren't there. Mm -hmm. What do you think a solution? I know this is really tough because like, where do you start? Right. But if somebody is saying, well, gosh, that sounds great, but I'm already squeezed mm -hmm. on my grocery bill and I'm just trying to get by, I'm having these health issues. What would be something that you could recommend to somebody that could help them maybe find a solution to that particular challenge? Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a few different options. Um, obviously just trying to do the, like incorporating little bits of things can make really big changes. You don't have to eat absolutely everything organic and everything from a farm. Um, and like you said, I mean, a lot of us don't really have access to that. And with prices being where they are, are at, um, it really affects what are what we're able to buy. Um, so there's a few different options. For good quality meats, I always recommend people shopping the sales um, and also shopping directly from your farmer and your rancher can be a lot less expensive than buying from the store. Um, seeking them out at a farmer's market is a good way to find them. Sometimes that's not always the most cost-effective way to shop because they have to increase their prices to you know, offset what the market is charging. But um, it's a great way to meet them. And then from there, you can build a relationship and then just shop directly from them. Yeah. Um, so that's one. Um, with meats, you can freeze for a long period of time. So a lot of times, too, if they're offering sales or online retailers um, for sustainable meats are offering sales, it's a good time to kind of uh, stock up. And then you can have that in your freezer or if you see a, freeze, uh, a sale at your store. Um, buying things in bulk, um, dry items, stocking up on those. Again, if they're on sale, that's something that you can purchase in large amounts and then just have available. 
Uh, but again, not trying to completely overwhelm yourself. Do the best that you can, uh, especially when it relates to shopping organic versus conventional. There's something called the by the Envi- Environmental Working Group, the Clean 15 versus the Dirty Dozen. So those are ones that uh, Clean 15 um, that you might uh, that use the least amount of trace pesticides use versus the Dirty Dozen, which ones on the Dirty Dozen list you would likely want to and you shop those organic if possible. But ones that might not use as much of the pesticides, it's okay to buy more conventional. Um, and again, that's kind of just seeing what fits into your budget um, and and working from there, buying frozen if you can, um, stocking up on the dry goods, shopping directly from a farmer. So there are ways, also online now, you can buy so much um, available versus different, from different retailers. So that's a a good way to kind of shop the prices from different areas. Great answer. Thank you. That's a lot of good options, actually. Yes. <laughs> um, where there's a will, there's a way. But maybe it takes a little more. Maybe it takes some researching, like you said, and, and developing the relationships with yeah. with people that can. And it seems like one would lead to the other. Like if I find somebody that has eggs and then maybe exactly. they say, well, I know this guy that has honey or this woman that has honey. Or, exactly. Um, and there's one thing to will note, there's a website, um, Local Harvest, and uh, there's a couple other ones where you can go on there and you can actually find farmers around you, which is a really great resource. You might not be aware that there are farmers. You might not even think you have a farmer's market, so um, you know might not realize that there are people, even just in small plots of land, that they might be growing for themselves and and have that availability to give out to others or, um, you know, so there's, there what, what are What is reasons. that website again? It's called Local Harvest. I'm pretty sure that's the name of it. Um, and it's a good way to kind of find local uh, farmers in the area. And just like you said, it just, to start putting it out there and asking yep. other people, like if you find a source for your eggs, they might have a, another source that you might find um, for, um, you know, some types of produce or something yep. like that. Yep. Cool. So I'll put that link for that website in the notes if anyone wants to check that out. I, a couple of years ago, had heard about like juicing seemed to be really, really popular. Mm -hmm. Like there's juice bars everywhere. And then, um, so I thought, cool, I got a juicer. And so I just started making carrot juice, like just crazy amounts of carrot juice. And then someone said, well, you better not drink too much carrot juice. Your eyes are going to turn orange. (laughs) And then I, then someone said, well, no, the really good juice is the cold pressed juice or, you know, and then, so I was like, Ooh, but that juice is really expensive and it's really, takes a long time to make the juice. So maybe I don't want that. So I get like a decent juicer. And then I, I found someone that's like, here, do like a seven day juice cleanse where you just drink juice for seven days. <laughs> and I did that and I dropped a couple pounds without a doubt. I felt, it's weird. It's like, I felt amazing, but it also felt kind of spacey, you know, mm-hmm. like, I mean, you feel really good when you clean out your system and you're not weighted down by these. Right. I mean, one thing that seems really apparent to me is like, I probably consume too much, you know, like if I go out to dinner and they give you this huge plate, like I love to eat everything on the plate, right. but then like, you're so like, Oh, yeah. you know, it's like heavy as heck. So like, you know, when I do juice stuff, I find that, uh, I like realize, man, I really don't need to consume that much food that I normally do. So then, uh, recently someone had come in and this is coming from your, when you mentioned fiber, she said, I've been drinking juice all the time, but I'm, then I just re- learned that, um, you need the fiber, 
had I'd actually eaten the celery, yeah. eaten the apple, uh, that, you know, maybe she was having ill effects from too much green juices. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts about that? And what have you come across in relation to that world? Yeah. And I think it serves its purpose, you know, so it depends on what you're looking to do. Uh, there's obviously a lot of health benefits around juicing. Um, so I think that, uh, it does serve a purpose. Um, but again, it's not going to replace a lot of those nutrients that you need. Like you are going to not get those fibers that are really important, um, from those fruits and vegetables. And that actually helps to absorb a lot of those nutrients as well. Um, so it's just important to kind of being mindful about what you're doing. If you're looking to do a cleanse, I mean, honestly, sometimes the best cleanse that you can do is just eating healthy, clean eating for, um, a set amount of, of days, you know, limiting your processed foods and sugar, incorporating a lot more fiber into your diet, fresh fruits, fresh vegetables, clean meats, um, and lots of water, uh, making sure that you're drinking at least half your body weight and number of ounces of water per day is, is kind of that recommended dose. And it's amazing what a difference just clean eating has on the body. So I think we all think that we have to go through these crazy cleanse diets and fads when um, really if you just eat well, that in itself is one of the most satiating ways to nourish the body and effective. Yeah, because you're not torturing yourself. No, and you shouldn't. I mean, it, we, it's crazy what we go through um, when it, it's it's totally unnecessary. Mm. Um, and I get a lot of questions about fasting too. And, you know, it serves its purpose. I mean, there's definitely research that suggests or supports that fasting helps to optimize the microbiome. Um, so, one of those things that if it works for you and and you know what you're doing, that's great. But there's a downside of that. That's nutrient deprivation. And um, especially if you have underlying health conditions, it can be very compromising, especially for women and cortisol and hormones. So um, just really to be mindful that, you know, you don't want to be taking these nutrients out, especially with the going back to the gluten free and the health halo effect. Um you know, when you start cutting all of these things and fasting and juicing and um, going to the replacement foods, you're la- you're you're looking to eventually line up with nutrient deficiencies, um, and then that's you know going to help throw off the gut and all that. So sometimes just incorporating more food, good quality food, uh, makes the world of difference. Nice. I really enjoy hearing all this. You have a great way of conveying it in a, in a, just a nice, easy, gentle style. So I really appreciate awesome. that. I'm, I, is there something, cause I feel like I, I have more and more questions, but I also need to be mindful of your time. <laughs> no I keep you here all day. I could talk um, about gut health all day I, I know, right? It's important stuff. <laughs> we didn't really start talking about like Marichi Asana B and squeezing oh. <laughs> your heel bone into your, into your gut while you're My folded forward. My favorite one. Right. Right. Or D for that matter. Yeah. Um, but is there anything that we missed or didn't touch upon that you think is important to add to this conversation? I think, you know, we talked a little bit about um, stress and, and its impact on the gut, but I, I do want to just mention that I, I can't 
uh, stress that enough, that how important that is to be mindful um, about your stress levels. Because I think we live in this overstimulated life when we're constantly tied to our phones and on the go. Um, we're eating on the go. We're just, everything is so fast paced and we forget to take time to slow down. And that absolutely impacts digestion. You have to rest to digest. If your body isn't in that parasympathetic state, you're not going to be secreting the right enzymes needed to digest your food. Um, and, you know, that can lead to a whole lot of other issues. And more often than not, I see this with my clients, it's stress is the biggest issue with throwing off their gut. Um, either they're currently stressed or they went through uh, a crazy uh, period of, of high stress levels and then it just weakened the gut and now they have all these other uh, health complications. So it's just really important to be making sure that you are taking time out for self-care. That's why I love yoga so much. It's just a great way to get out of your mind and into your body. Um, but, you know, whatever that means for you, spending time in nature, um, you know, reading, just finding, having a bedtime routine, turning off your phone, just little tiny things can make really big differences. And um, I will just say that's one of the biggest things that people can think that they're eating healthy all day long. But if their stress levels are through the roof, uh, the food can only do so much. Mm. Great point. <laughs> Good point. Do you sometimes feel like you don't even know you're stressed out? I think that's how most people operate. Uh, I don't think we realize this stress that we're under until yeah. it's too late, yeah. um, until we're sick. And then it makes us really take that time to stop and reflect yeah. and think, yeah. oh, wow, you know, I was burning both ends of the candle and, you know, I didn't realize it. Um, yeah. The body just can't, you know, sustain that amount for so long. It, the body can handle intermittent periods of stress, like if you have to meet a deadline for work or, you know, something like that. But it's that chronic everyday stress, sitting in traffic for, you know, two hours every day on your way to the, a job that you hate with, you know, a boss that you hate or coworker, you know, just that chronic every day. Yeah. Um, that's not healthy for you. So it's really just um, finding ways to help mitigate and offset those stress levels. Mm. Good point, Carly. Well, <laughs> I am so thankful for you yes. to drive all the way here. <laughs> There's probably a little more traffic here in the afternoon than it, than it is in the early morning when you're when you're coming here. No, I'm so, happy to be here. I love your studio. Well, you're awesome. So I just you, appreciate the opportunity. Of thank course. You. I'm so excited to have you here. And you. so everyone listening, again, you'll see all in the links in the show notes of um, Carly, your website, fairygutmother.com. Yes. And I've been really enjoying, for those of you that like social media and subscribe to it, uh, on IG, I've been watching uh, the videos that you make just showing food pre preparation, making smoothies. And yes. I, I'm, I like to geek out <laughs> on how, like, you're, I, I'm wondering, like, how is she putting this together? Like, all these little clips and, <laughs> like, they're just kind of fun to watch. They're oh, super entertaining. Awesome. It's relaxing. You. you get to watch, like, the almond butter land in there. Oh, yeah. And, and then the berries stuff. splash in there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's easy stuff too. That's the biggest thing is that, you know, you, do, you don't have to overcomplicate things. You don't have to overcomplicate gut health. Um, you know, I don't have a lot of time either. I'm busy, but you can make it work. Yeah. My recipes are super simple. Um, anybody could do it. I don't have any crazy, you know, background and um culinary expertise, you know, so I just healed myself through food and lifestyle changes. So if I can do it, you know, anybody can do it. 
Nice. Thank you, Carly. Yes, thank you. Native Yoga Toddcast is produced by myself. The theme music is dreamed up by Bryce Allen. If you like this show, let me know. If there's room for improvement, I want to hear that too. We are curious to know what you think and what you want more of, what I can improve. And if you have ideas for future guests or topics, please send us your thoughts to info at Native Yoga Center. You can find us at nativeyogacenter.com. And hey, if you did like this episode, share it with your friends, rate it and review, and join us next time. 